0: I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com.
1: Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emma Kami, and I'm here today with Reigns Eurasia Analyst, Matthew Orr. Initially, we were going to discuss the Wagner Group's influence in Belarus, but with the reports from earlier today that the Wagner head, Yevgeny Prigozhin, was among the passion- passengers in a fatal plane crash, we will be discussing what we know about the crash in addition to the developing geopolitical tensions in Belarus. Welcome to the podcast, Matthew, and thanks for adjusting the topic on such short notice.
0: Hey Emma, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Um, So to start us off, reports indicate that Wagner head Yevgeny Prigozhin and his top deputy, Dmitry Utkin died in a plane crash. Um, What do we know and what are the implications of this for Russia?
0: Yeah, so we're speaking on uh, Wednesday Wednesday afternoon, the 23rd. And what we know at this time is that um, uh, an aircraft linked to Prigozhin and the Wagner group uh, went down in Russia's Tver region. It was um, on the ma- on the manifest. It was completing a flight from uh, Moscow to St. Petersburg, which is a very common flight for um to be taking. And videos from the from the scene shown the the airplane uh, fa- falling um, almost certainly after some sort of explosion had t- taken place. By it, there were some claims that it was shot by shot down by anti-air systems, but. Uh, a look at a lot of the wreckage, um, at least now, doesn't really look like that's the most likely scenario. It appears somewhat more likely that most likely a bomb on board uh, exploded, and that's what caused the plane to go down. Uh, the The dispatchers, uh, the aircraft controllers, um, didn't receive any notifications about issues with the aircraft before the incident happened, so that would suggest that whatever happened was, was quite sudden, which would... Fit with it being uh, some sort of a bomb on board. Um, uh, that's what we what we know right now. Of course, Prigozhin's death has not been confirmed. Uh, multiple Russian authorities have said that he was on, he was scheduled to be on this plane. Um, he was on the the the, the manifest, uh, etc. But that, of course, doesn't mean that um, that there there wasn't some way that he could have not, for example, made it onto another aircraft that was also linked to Wagner. That also left from the same uh, uh, airfield and w- was also in the air when the incident happened. And then that other aircraft actually turned back to Moscow. But as as the time of our speaking, it looks most likely that that Prigozhin um, uh, is dead. Uh, and honestly, no matter w- you know whether or not Prigozhin is actually dead, it's a quite you know uh, apropos moment to right begin having a discussion about what his death would mean for for Russia the implications of that um because it's it's uh, it's it's clear that this entire topic of of the Wagner mutiny right this saga that's been going on for months now um hadn't ended and now it's this is a clear kind of step um, towards some sort of a, a resolution um, of of that incident um i think it's, i think it's clear that while this will prompt all kinds of backlash um Domestically within Russia, there's a, a lot of people in particularly these, this far-right milieu in Russia um, against certain – with still within certain military circles that was quite sympathetic to Prigozhin, sympathetic to the arguments that he was making, um, disdainful of the the, the the conduct of the war in Ukraine, um, uh, etc. And there there will be a lot of people who will be not only angry about his death in the abstract, but angry at this apparent – demonstrative, um, uh, assassination, presumably of, of Prigozhin, uh, by the Russian security services as a way of, right, establishing deter- deterrence, reestablishing, uh, uh, clear, you know, control of Russia after Prigozhin had been able to launch this mutiny. And, you know, according to, to Russian commentators, foreign commentators, uh, and, and, and regular people, there was very much the, the appearance that this guy had gotten off somewhat scot-free and so that's why i had, had had long believed that 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 this was not the end of this of this saga and that he was in danger um and that that cleared that that, that appears to have come to fruition uh we said in our analyses that right pre <laughs> the kremlin will not follow any so-called you know alleged agreements general uh, gentlemen's agreements etc with Prigozhin, and will do so only insofar as it suits their interest, right? Um, and so they 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 likely believe that um, Prigozhin either wasn't following his end of the bargain, or that he uh, you know his further his further life wasn't needed to the Kremlin, uh, and so they they move to remove him and show that there was a, there's a there's a extremely high price uh, for uh, opposing opposing the Kremlin. At the same time, remember there had been other far right bloggers. Um, in Russia that had been, you know, sentenced to jail time recently and there was renewed repressions and also in the military, uh, the, the general who was very close to the Wagner group and formerly in charge of the special military oper- operation, uh, Sergei Souravikin, had been removed from his post and, and had been under house arrest and so on and so forth. And so it seemed very strange and light in all of this that the one, the, the individual who, who had chosen to initiate all of these uh, events that are you know, not particularly desired by the Kremlin would somehow get off Scott three. So um, it, it makes sense that this would happen, and it, it makes sense that it would, it would happen in such a demonstrable manner.
1: Well, yeah, thanks for that analysis. Um, and I mean, based off of what we know, I guess, and kind of connecting it back to the topic that we were going to discuss. Um, Belarus has been in the headlines recently due to the Wagner Group's deployment of around 4,000 fighters there and Lithuania's subsequent closure of border crossings with Belarus. Um, Is the concern over Wagner in Belarus justified and does this um, reported death of Prigozhin influence it at all? And what is Lukashenko trying to accomplish?
0: Yeah, great question right, The most immediate thing that comes to mind when thinking about the consequences of this is that what remains, again, the the Wagner group uh, compared to its highs uh, sometime last year, uh, is is maybe only about a tenth of its former size, roughly, very roughly. Um, but what's left of their fighters, yeah, a, a decent p- portion of them are in belarus has as has been much publicized, something like four thousand. um, some estimates put it closer to six thousand. But, yeah, you have this contingent of forces um now in Belarus who, in the in the first place, didn't have much to be doing, right? They claimed that they were training Belarusian uh, soldiers, but they, you, you can only do that for so long. And you know it, it, there's only so much utility that the influence of these Wagner people can have that's positive on 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 the Belarusians. Um and so now, yeah, there's there was there's this question of of what what's going to happen to these forces. Um, the, the most immediate concern is that, right, these Wagner personnel may be dissatisfied or angered by this news and, you know, it's not clear what, what they're going to do. Um, and with regards to that, yeah, I think that's going to be a, a problem, but I don't think that we should anticipate, um, particularly, uh, you know, decisive action by these forces. In fact, a lot of indications are that, um, following this, it's, it's clear, you know who has the stronger hand and what kind of signal is being sent, and so uh, it, it may be that those those Wagner forces are eventually quietly allowed to leave Belarus and actually go back um, to to Russia. Of course, if they if they you know understand that they they must behave uh, well. The other reason for that is, of course, that you know Prigozhin's estate now presumably has to be in some sort of eventual state of. Uh, of being of being realized um, and its assets right uh, assessed and and redistributed and things like that, um, and it's not clear that the, the Belarusians may not have a reason or desire to want to pay for these Wagner forces to to stay in Belarus. Um, it's clear that Prigozhin had started talking about this new this new path for Wagner in Africa. In fact, just a day before. Uh, or a couple days before his apparent death, he released a new recruitment video, essentially a recruitment video, um, that appeared to be from Africa, kind of reasserting that the group would be focused um, on Africa. But those uh, attempts and efforts seemed somewhat abortive, given that Wagner's status within the Russian Federation itself has remained under all kinds of pressure, and it's clear that they're not... Recruiting normally and operating normally, and their brand is being taken down, and 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 things like that. And so their their status was was always somewhat unclear. But I think that the 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 death of Prigozhin, um, I think it makes it somewhat less likely. In combination, again with these other faction factors that you mentioned, like. Lithuania's closure closure of these border checkpoints, the Poland's deployment of more forces to the region. I think it makes it less likely that we're gonna see these Wagner forces wanna engage in particularly serious provocations along NATO borders from Belarus, um, just because, I mean, I think it's it's a further signal to them that, right, their their organization, their leadership um, has been set up as sort of a, a scapegoat or a fall man uh, and they may not want to put themselves uh, at risk for, for, for things like that.
1: Right. Um, and as this is happening, Minsk is preparing for elections in early 2024. Um, can you expand on what these elections are and if they have any significance, um, with everything else that's going on?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we often, I, I think over the past couple of years, we've let Belarusian politics, uh, fall to the back, back burner. I think that was correct. Um, and early next year, we actually have the first electoral event um, that at least has some chance of having any significance. There was a referendum last year that changed the country's constitution and uh, created this organization called the All Belarusian People's Assembly. Uh, it's basically an extra parliamentary um, body from constitutional law terms. Uh, but it actually was imbued with some potentially significant functions um, uh, under under this new constitution, where it's basically supposed to, you know, create a general policy course for the Belarusian state and government um, that then the the other institutions, namely the president and so on, etc., are supposed to follow. Um, so Belarus has a a, a regular uh, election in in February. Uh, which is an election for the country's parliament and a local election um, and also an election, I believe, for this uh, all Belarusian people's assembly. And then within a matter of months, by something by uh, around April of 2024, Belarus is supposed to actually have a meeting, uh, the first ever meeting of this body with its new constitutional uh, powers. And so, yeah, this is just an instant that we're looking to see if we can glean any kind of uh, perception of what Russia of what Belarus's future uh is going to look like based off of this body the two main things we're looking at are first and foremost integration with russia right which uh ties intimately in with everything that we have just been talking talking about right where if there's instability in russia if there's uh if if putin is actually gaining authority increasing his position removing alternative power centers um that that might actually uh increase russia's ability and, and boldness to want to bring Belarus decisively closer into its orbit. That's part of Russia's general plan, which is something that we've covered uh, a lot on our our, our worldview service. Um, but, yeah, in, in, in general, this uh, the, 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 this election is going to also give us a, a perception on what Lukashenko is thinking about his ultimate succession process. There's been talk about him being in somewhat poor health. Um, that's been confirmed by uh, video evidence and, and him being seen in bandages and not being able to walk places and things like that um and he you know he's he's seen what's happened in a lot of these post-soviet successions or in some cases non-successions uh if you look at at, at putin and, and basically the inability for office holders to rely reliably uh leave office and, and stay in power and stay safe etc um but on the other hand he wants to, to pass off power uh, before his health could potentially suddenly or unexpectedly deteriorate further, uh, and so we're also looking to see if the the, the Belar all Belarusian People's Assembly provides us any new information about how Lukashenko is thinking about uh, the how a potential succession might go, when it might start, etc., things like that, and of course it's the the Belarusian opposition which has been heavily 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 repressed. Since mass protests erupted in Belarus in 2020, and it has essentially been forced entirely uh, abroad and underground for those who still remain um, in Belarus. And so they're, they're also the ones really looking at, the, at these 2024, 2024 elections as, as a way to try to um, at least somehow, some way, gain greater influence over what's happening in Belarus. But unfortunately, I, it doesn't look like that there's going to be a clear avenue for them to return to protests or to influence the, these processes in any meaningful way. But yeah, it definitely will be interesting to see if, you know, for example, Wagner forces really will stay around until the time of the, that election um, because uh, Lukashenko in the past has reacted very negatively to having private military companies on Belarusian territory, and particularly during the time uh, of an election, uh, there was actually a, a famous incident related to this prior to the chaotic 2020 election in Belarus. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that everything that's happening with Prigozhin just adds another layer, layer of uncertainty that I don't think uh, either Lukashenko... Uh, or, or Putin um, necessarily know, entirely know the consequences of, although at this time there's there's no indication that Prigozhin's death will, will lead to greater instability either in Russia or in Belarus.
1: Well, thanks so much, Matthew. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you about the circumstances surrounding the crash and geopolitical developments in Belarus as elections approach and as they relate to um, what happened with Prigozhin. So thanks for your time. For more geopolitical and economic analyses like this, subscribe to our geopolitical intelligence product, Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's r a n e network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.